Hey, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to grab a Bible, get on over there. We have been in 1 Corinthians, one of those books that all of my pastoral ministry has said, one day I got to teach it, and so we're in it, and uh, it hasn't got all that hairy yet, but it's going to. You just wait, so uh, you want to see me sweat, come back. It's going to be good. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's a series that we're calling our Wild One series. This is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church that he started some years prior, and uh, now he's, uh, he's writing back to them. And, and do you remember how long Paul spent with them? Do you remember? He started the church, and then he was with them. Anybody? He was with them for a year and a half. That was his longest, second longest stay in one location through his ministry. He was in Ephesus for three years, but he spent a year and a half with these guys and just worked really hard to help them get off the ground in their faith, to help see them, them grow in their uh, walk with Jesus, to, to, to really get this thing catalyzed and, and going. And then he moved on to start other churches but yet, as he always did, he stayed in touch, and he kept writing back to them and, and checking in and just kind of continuing to be pastor from afar while other pastors and leaders were being raised up from within. And at this point in the game, he's now in Ephesus, and he's spending that, that length of time there in Ephesus, and a wealthy, successful lady in this church in Corinth named Chloe sent word back to Ephesus to the Apostle Paul through some of her employees. It says her people, uh, Pastor Paul, you need to know our church back in Corinth is really struggling. It says our, our churches, are, it, we're struggling. Uh, it's breaking apart. I mean, just fracturing all over the place. There's infighting. There's all kinds of crazy sexual sin, drunkenness mixed in with communion, and all kinds of other craziness. It's just weird and wild. And, and, and today, and what we're going to look at today, the Apostle Paul tells him, hey, church, it's not cute. He says, this is not cute. And so the, the title of my sermon today, you ready for this? Not so cute. That's the title of my sermon. So if you want to write it down in your notes, not so cute. Uh, I, I brought something with me uh, today, actually. I got a little prop up here. So let me get this. Can you, for those of you in the back, can you see this? Anybody ever played in one of these? You got one of these? A uh, little kiddie pool. Love the, I love the kiddie pool. And, uh, and I, I just remember uh, playing with my kids in the kiddie pool and, and you know, it's not going to be too long. We're going to go through this crazy winter, and then we, the summer will hit, and, and these babies that were brought up here, they're going to be brought by their parents. They're going, to put a little, they're going to put a little swim diaper on them, and they're going to put them in the pool, and they're going to start splashing around, and it's, it's adorable, right? In fact, I just, th- those were the best. I remember with our little ones when they were littler, just the, the season of they could just let it all hang out. It's warm outside, you know, and just these little, you know, these little fleshy, roly-poly babies, and they could just play in the water. I just, I love that. It's just super cute, right? But you know what's not so cute? What's not so cute is if baby's inside sleeping and dad says, it is hot. And dad puts on his bathing suit. While baby's inside sleeping, dad comes in and hops into the, the kiddie pool and sits down and starts splashing around and enjoying the, the kiddie pool. And the neighbor comes by, hey, beautiful day outside, huh? Water's nice, come on in. That's not so cute, is it? That's awkward. That's weird. That's, that's, that's slightly unusual, right? That's, that's not so cute. And that's Paul's message today. That's, that's exactly what he's saying. In fact, look with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll show you. 1 and 2. Paul says to the church, he says, 
But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready. Did you hear that? I think this is why Paul literally got beat up just about everywhere he went. It's because Paul says, you're a bunch of babies. He just says, you're a bunch of babies. You're, you're infants in, in Christ. And I, I love the fact that God has given us so many babies in our church. Don't drink the water. It's crazy. And I, lo- I love that. And it would be entirely appropriate for me to go out that back door and go into the nursery here. I have to get through security first. But go into the nursery, just to be clear on that. And, 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 and walk in and go, look at all these babies. That would be totally appropriate. But if on Wednesday when we have our men's Bible study breakfast at the new Chick-fil-A, I walk in before the men and go, look at all you babies. I might get a chicken biscuit to the face, right? Like that's, that, they're not literally, ba- it makes sense when you're saying to literal babies, you're a bunch of babies. But to not literal babies, you call them a bunch of babies, you get, well, you get a chicken biscuit to the face. You get, as Paul got, you got beat up. And it would be entirely appropriate to people who are maybe brand new or, or newer in their faith to, to see them as infants as as babies in Christ yet this church that Paul is writing to they're not infants anymore right they're they're not spiritual babies anymore at least they 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 shouldn't be it's been years right question are you living like a spiritual infant verse one Paul says but I, brothers, that's an important designation. We'll, we'll touch on that in just a second. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And so last week we looked at how to be spiritual, and we learned that spirituality is not what we do. It's not spiritual actions. It's not going to religious services. It's not mystic experiences with the divine. It's, it's not what we do. It's what God does within us, inside of us, that God through his Holy Spirit comes and he opens our eyes and he gives us spiritual sight so that we come, uh, we become spiritual and we're not fleshly anymore which would be really the opposite of spiritual people and as followers of Jesus now we can see and we can live by the spirit of God within us who in, in, enlivens us and dwells us and not see and live by the flesh anymore and see and live by these, these bodily or, or fleshly impulses and these temptations and just doing whatever feels good we no longer live the way everybody else Lives. We are people animated and dwelt, empowered by the Spirit of God. And that's why, as we'll see next week, if you were to skip down to verse 16, he, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells within you? You are God's temple and God's Spirit dwells within you. Now, isn't it ironic if you were to look back in church history and, and all history, really, and in A.D. 70, shortly after the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and his, uh, his ascension, all of that, shortly after that, the temple is literally torn down. The temple with its holy of holies, that, that place where the, the presence of God is, is most manifest, right? 
was destroyed and never rebuilt again by the Jews. Why? Because Jews got lazy? No, because God in his providential plan and in his divine wisdom said, that's not how it works anymore. The veil has been torn. In fact, the whole temple has been torn down and the spirit is now not dwelt there. The spirit is among all of us, his people. So we are spiritual. We are spiritful. And, and yet Paul says to this church, I cannot, I cannot address you as spiritual, but as fleshly. Now here's where some theological debate comes out of this. Paul says, I cannot address you as spiritual, but as fleshly. So is it because Paul realized that he was wrong, that they weren't ever actually truly spiritual or made spiritually alive? They didn't actually ever truly become Christians? No. We know that because, again, verse 1, how he addresses them, he, he calls them brothers. In other words, your family, God is your father, God is my father, so we are brothers, we are sisters in Christ, we are siblings spiritually. And, and through similar reasoning, you can read throughout the whole letter, and it's very, very clear from the Apostle Paul that he believes that they are, in fact, spiritual, they are true Christians, they're just very immature. He, he had enough time with them in their year and a half, to, to see, yes, they are in fact spiritually alive people. And now he's able to reflect back and say, but they're just acting like fleshly people, even though they're, they're not. Here's the reality, that though we are made alive internally, spiritually, until heaven, we still carry around this baggage, the flesh, right? We, we still carry around the, the temptations, the old way, the, the, the natural man, as we saw last week, and we struggle and, and, and for a person who has truly been made alive by the Spirit of God, become a Christian, convert, saved, whatever you, born again, whatever you want to call it, whatever you call it, if that has really happened, there will be some immediate evidence in their lives. There, there will be. And, and though we struggle to, to grow in, in, in living out our, our practical holiness like he has made us positionally, we're going to struggle with that. There will be some immediate evidence but there also will be some continued evidence. Wow, there was change, but then there continues to be change. There, there continues to be evidence that the Holy Spirit is inside and he's changing, right? He's renovating. He's, he's cleaning shop. But here's the, here's the catch. People grow at different rates. You've seen that in your own life? People that you know and you love, people just grow at different rates. Like a tree, for example. Some trees bear fruit really quickly. I remember we had this cherry tree uh, growing up in my front yard, and it took forever for that thing. to. I thought we were going to plant it, and then that summer we are going to be popping cherries in our mouth. That's just kind of my naivety as a child. I thought that's what we were. And it took years and years and years until I was much older to ever get to eat a cherry, and even still they weren't all that great. And, and so... Some trees are going to bear fruit very quickly, and other trees take longer to actually begin to bear fruit at all. Now, it's ideal that we would bear fruit as quickly as possible, but the reality is, is that some people take much longer. A couple of things it could be. It could be the condition of the soil around them. You remember Jesus' parable of the soils? That, that there, that's a real factor in Jesus' mind, the condition of the soil around them. 
Now, we don't ever use that as an excuse. Well, you know, look at my life. I mean, I can't really grow in Jesus. So it's, we don't ever use that as, a, as an excuse, but it can be a reality. It can be a factor. Maybe, maybe some people come to faith in Jesus, but yet none of their family around them follows Jesus. And so it's maybe a little slower growth process for them because they don't have that, that, that good, strong support system outside of the, the, the church family. Uh, like the Corinthians, they, they came to faith. Their, their culture around them was just unbelievable, right? I mean, it was just crazy, crazy all around them. And, and, and so Paul says, well, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go slow and gentle and methodical with them. But then when you see Paul speaking to other people who are struggling with some of the, the tendencies of their, their Jewish faith and going back to the law, he says, you have no excuse, and he's much more firm with them. You notice that in his letters? This one, he, he's a little more slow with them, even though they are a wild church. He's gentle. He's methodical. Compare that even to, to Jesus with some of the Jewish leaders. You have no excuse. The Messiah is here. You've been prepared for this for a very, very long time. You would expect them to grow faster. For other people, spiritual maturity maybe takes a little bit longer because of their own stubbornness of heart. Let's not just be quick to blame the conditions around us. Maybe it's just you. Maybe you're just stubborn in your heart. You have the Holy Spirit within you, but you're just resisting his work of maturation. So a little just self-evaluation. Is that you? Are you just flat out resisting the work that God has been trying to do in your heart for a very, very long time? I remember when uh, I moved from Atlanta to, to Massachusetts uh, so that I could uh, start ministry up here and marry this girl from Massachusetts back in 2004. I remember loading this U-Haul moving truck, and then on the back we had one of those, those two-wheel carriers with my uh, Nissan Sentra that was being towed behind the, the U-Haul truck. And uh, we, we pull off, me and uh, my girl, and we pull off from Atlanta, and we're driving up to Massachusetts. It didn't take very long for me to realize that something was off. Like, it just didn't, didn't, I didn't have a ton of experience driving a truck, but this just did not seem right. And so we got out, pulled over, and examined, and looked around, and, and I, I get into the back of the, the Nissan, and I real, the emergency brake was pulled, right? And so there was some serious resistance happening. And, and maybe that's some of you. It's like there, there's some resistance that, that, that's happening there. Now, that can't, listen, let me be very clear. I'm always trying to be very clear about this. You cannot stop God's plans. That cannot stop the work that God wants to do in your heart. However, the Bible does make it clear that you can resist the Holy Spirit. So we have to, as people who believe in the, the complete power and sovereignty, we have to balance that, right? God is powerful and sovereign and he can do whatever he wants. And yet at the same time, the scripture says that we can resist the spirit. We can quench the spirit. Here's the reality. God is going to get you there. He's going to get you. Scripture says that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. I was going to bring my car to Massachusetts because I was going to get married to that little thing. I loved that girl. And it was going to happen. It was, and if I had to drag my car kicking and screaming, I was going to get it there. But that car was going to be in rough shape if it went the hard way, right? It's going to be in really rough shape. Listen, God will mature you, but it will be less painful if you don't resist. If, if you say, you know what, e-brake down, he loves you too much to let you stay back. He loves you too much just to let you stay exactly the same way that you are right now. He will mature you. Yesterday with my, uh, my kids, my wife was up with the ladies at the women's retreat. By the way, welcome back, ladies. Did you guys have a good time? 
Yeah, all right, that's good. I love seeing our ladies come back just good and encouraged. And uh, so I was playing Mr. Dad, and you know how it goes, dads. You, you've got to have every second of the day planned out when it's just you and the kids because it's like, it's crazy. How does she do that? She's a rock star. And so uh, we, we got to get out of this house. I mean, I, all the Cheez-Its were gone. The goldfish were gone. The, I mean, like, every, it was bad. All the ca- candy was, like, not you know, the Halloween candy was all just about gone. It was bad. And we got to get out of this house. And so I took them to this, this spot in Brookline that we've gone to a number of times over the past few years where my kids call it the leaf pile. And it's just this place in Brookline where there's just amazing leaves. And it doesn't, help, it doesn't hurt the fact that it's like around the corner from Tom Brady's house. And so we're like, we're here. Tom's over there. Maybe we'll see him. Who knows? It's an off week, bye week. And so we're all excited. And, and we bring our rakes because we don't really, we have like one little tree in our yard. We bring our rakes and we make big leaf piles and we're playing around in the leaves. But here's the thing. I said, all right, guys, we're going to go to the leaf pile. Two of them were like, yes, this is going to... And one of them said, eh, no, I don't want to. <laughs> we're going to the leaf pile. I don't want to. I'd just, I'd just rather stay here and just watch television. And, and yet mean old dad said, no, you're going. Because I knew that they were going to have a blast. And then we got there and we played football and jumped in the leaves and played all kinds of games. And, and by the end, it was time to go. And they did not want to go. They like, we got to go. Oh, listen, mister, you didn't even want to come in the first place. Now you don't want to leave, right? And so I knew that they would love. So I was going to drag. I made him go, right? And God loves you too much to just keep you where you're at. He will mature you. You can go kicking and screaming or you can go not resisting in your heart and saying, God, whatever you want to do. And you can just take this, this posture of surrender of God, do whatever you want to do in my life. I'm not going to kick and scream. It might be challenging at times. It might not necessarily jive with my plans, but God, I trust that you're working in my life. If he saved you, he will also sanctify you. That will happen. Are you going to resist or are you going to cooperate? And, and, and God, through Paul, had this plan for this church that that he was going to mature them. He had this maturation plan for this church. Very methodical, as Paul was incredibly methodical, if you look at the things that he does in his ministries. And he says, here's the plan. In the early days, my plan was, I was going to to feed you with milk. I was going to give you milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. I'm just going to give you milk. That makes sense, right? See, these little babies, they're enjoying milk right now. And so, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to mature you in, in, in that way. You're not going to shove a steak down your, you know, one-year-old's throat, right? That would be a terrible thing. And so he starts slow. Maybe it's, hey, let me teach you how to develop a relationship with Jesus. It's all about communication. And so let me tell you how he talks to you. Primarily, the way he talks to you is through his scriptures. And so let me teach you how to hear from Jesus. And, and it's also about communication. You've got to communicate back to him. And so let me teach you about let me teach you about prayer. This is milk. These are basic truths, the gospel of Jesus and how, how to pass that, that on. And, and maybe from there, he says, let's go to some solid food. Let me talk to you about how to use spiritual gifts. Let me talk to you about how to share your faith. And then eventually we can get to the stake and we can talk about uh, the, the limited atonement and propitiation and all these heavy theological words. But he, he had a plan. My plan was I'm going to start with, with milk. But then look at the, the second half here of of, of verse 2, but he says, but even now, you are not ready. Like, that was my plan then, and then I stayed for a year and a half, and then I went and traveled a bit, and, and now I'm getting word back that even now, you're not ready to move on maybe to some solid food? You're, you're not ready to, to grow, no change? Or maybe even you 
got, got a little bit worse? Let me ask you another question. Would there be an even now for your spiritual development? Even right now, like it's been this long or you've had this much opportunity and yet even now, you're not growing up? You're not maturing in your faith? Paul addresses just one of the even nows and let's just take some time to look at it and we're not gonna spend much time here at all. We're gonna go back to the first few passages but I do wanna, or first few verses, I wanna read this because he does point out an even now that we've already touched on earlier in this series but look with me now at verse three. He says, and I was with you in weakness. I'm sorry, that's chapter two. Verse three, he says, for you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? And what then is Paul? Or what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. And then as we'll see next week, God's building. Again, we're not going to spend much time here because we've already touched on this for quite a while. But he's saying you're acting immature. And here's an example of it. You're choosing favorites among spiritual leaders in your life. You're you're acting immature. Like mere humans, you're, you're, you're being fleshly, not spiritual. The, the world worships people and the sophist who would come with these oratory skills. And he says, no, we don't want that. We're, we're not trying to get your attention. It's not about it. In fact, Paulus and I are on the same team, these teachers in, in, in your life. We're on the same team. We're just here as helping God in, in his work that he's doing in your heart. We're just helping get the soil ready and prepare. Only God can, can bring the growth. And yet even now you're acting like the world. All this time later you're still acting like the world. Again, my question is, would there be an even now for your spiritual development? Like years later, same struggles? Like... Years later, still refusing to obey God in whatever particular area that he's called you to obey that you've been resisting in. Maybe years later, you're still not prioritizing the things that God has called you to prioritize. Even now? That's what Paul asks of all of us. And I just wanted to be short today because I think it's, it's just so, this, these truths, these questions are so powerful that Paul has put before us. I just want to close with three questions for you. Here are the three questions. I, I sincerely want you to, to evaluate these questions. First question is this. Where have you matured? Let's start there. Where have you matured? If you were to look back to, to when you gave your life to Christ and when he changed you and he made you spiritual, where have you matured? It's really important to identify, what has God done in my life? How am I different? Maybe I, I prioritize some things that I didn't used to prioritize. I, I don't struggle with some things that I, I struggled with five years ago, a year ago, six months ago. Acknowledge those things. It's so important to acknowledge those things as we identify those things that God has done a work in my heart. It's encouraging and it spurs you on. You know what I mean? Wow, he's, he has done a work in my life. Where have you matured? 
Think through those, identify them. Here's the next question I want you to ask yourself. And I really want you to write these down and maybe let this be an exercise for you throughout the course of this week. But the next question is, where do you remain immature? Where are the areas of your life that remain immature? Let's not ignore them. Let's, let's, let's call them out. Let's identify them. It's, 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 it's actually really easy to just say, I'm just going to focus on the things that I'm good at so that I can compare myself to other people. Like I'm doing better than him or her in that area and I'll just focus on that. And that kind of makes you feel good and it blinds you to the other areas where you're not willing to acknowledge you're immature, right? What are the areas in your own life that you're immature? Maybe it's how you deal with your finances. You're not doing it in a way that's honoring to the Lord. Maybe it's you're not unwilling to sacrifice time. Maybe it's, you know what, I still haven't nailed down this whole spending time with God. Like it's very clear in the example of Jesus and throughout the scriptures that he calls us to, to treasure his word. And yet it's just not even a, it's just not even, it's like a total afterthought. Like maybe if I had a free second, I might crack, the, maybe. And you're just not, it's not even on your radar screen. This is not an area that you're mature in. Acknowledge that. Maybe it's prayer. I just don't, I don't pray. I don't know how to pray. I, are you just going to stay that way? Which leads to my, my next question, last one. What is it going to take to cause you to mature in the areas where you're immature? So first question, how have you matured? Second question, where do you remain immature? And then once you identify those things, that's the first step is just calling it out. But then what are we going to do to grow in the areas where we remain immature? Are you okay with perpetual immaturity? Are you okay with being the adult sitting in the pool and just splashing around having awkward, right? I wish we could learn as people of faith to think about that in our own lives and say that is awkward. Like, that is really uncomfortable that I've been a believer for however many years, I've followed God for however many years, and yet I'm just in this state of perpetual immaturity. And that, that, that awkwardness that you're sensing about yourself, not critiquing others, but about your own heart, would cause you to come before God and say, God, grow me, help me. How can I take some, some steps? Now, here's the thing. In our church, there better always be baby Christians. Like there, there better always be baby Christians because the day there are not baby Christians, the day we become everybody has white hair, like we want, we pray that God would give us a good balance of people with white hair and younger and everywhere in between, right? And, and if we get to the point where everybody has white hair because we've all just grown up in the faith and we're not seeing people come to know Jesus, something's off, right? And so we are seeing people come to know Jesus, praise God. There will always be, if we're healthy, people who are immature among us, right? And there should always be people who are very mature among us. And there will always be people all over the place. And, and your struggle is different than my struggle. And my struggles are different than your struggles. We're all going to have different struggles, right? That's, that's great. That's normal. And in fact, Paul kind of addresses that as he's addressing this area of their immaturity, doesn't he? He says, listen, my job is a little different than Apollos' job. And Apollos' job is different than my job. We're all on the same team. 
And we're all helping each other, right? Ephesians chapter 4 says that the church builds itself up in love. That means that here's one of the things that God wants to do to help you to mature in faith is he wants to use the people to your left and to your right to help you mature in faith. And so there's going to be some of you in here that say, you know, I just, I really struggle with this whole dad thing. I struggle with that. I don't. I don't quite know what to do. My father was not a great example, or I didn't have a father, perhaps. I don't know what to do. Good news. Look to your left or your right. There are some men of God in here who are eager to help. You've got to be humble enough to ask. Some of you, it's, I, I, do, I don't know how to read my Bible. Like, I just get it, and I say, uh, I have no idea. Uh, maybe I'll open it up, and there'll be something magical that'll appear to me, but I don't know where to start. Good news. To your left and your right, you've got people around you who... They're, they're wise in these areas. I have a guy that I call and I say, I need help with finances. I, I, I need your help. Help me out here. And he'll say, here's what, okay, here's what you got to do, right? And, and maybe for you, it's prayer. I don't, I don't quite know how to pray, but when I hear you pray at group, it's like you have this connection with God. Like, could you help me understand? Well, yeah, here's what I'm thinking when I pray. And, and, and that's, that's how the church works, right? Everybody's different. We're all on the same team. And the church is building itself up in love. And ultimately, it's not us doing it. It's God doing it. It's God in his perfect wisdom and in his perfect plan saying, here was my plan. I was going to give them all things that pertain to life and godliness, First Peter says. Right? I'm going to give them my spirit. I'm going to make them come alive. My spirit's going to help them to see things they didn't previously see. And my spirit's going to keep convicting and talking to them and doing this work in their heart. Right? I'm going to give them my, my word so that they know my plan. I'm going to give them the church, my people, to, to, to have insight into what's going on in their lives. And, and we just have to utilize the things that God has given us to mature. Anybody ever bought a tool for one particular event? Like you had some project, you bought the tool, and now it never, get, never gets pulled out again? Yeah, right? I think probably some of us, I, I definitely have some of those, right? And, and now I have a guy that I can just say, hey, can I borrow uh, your whatever? And he hooks me up, right? But... God has given us tools, and, and, and maybe they're just sitting and collecting. And, and maybe it's because, you know, you have it. Some, some, you ever known somebody who has really cool toys, but they don't quite know how to use it? You have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Like God has given you what you need, and now you just need to figure out how to use it to mature. He's given you what you need to be mature. Your father in heaven has got you the pack and play and the bumbo seat and the this. And I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of things, right? God has given you everything that you need to mature and to grow. Now we just have to, to figure out how to use it and to, to, to capitalize on the resources that God has given us to mature. So that it's not a year later and he's looking back and saying, even now? Even now, I pray that we would be a people that we could look back and say, that was my now. Like right now, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to take some steps. I'm going to address this area. And so acknowledge where you're immature. And let's take some real steps towards maturing in our faith. Can we do that? Let's do that. I'm going to make that a point in my own heart, my life this week, to determine the weaknesses and seek to grow in those areas so that I can't look back a year from now and say, same old, nothing's changed. God wants us to be a community of faith that are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next, constantly growing more and more like Jesus. That's his plan. Let me ask you if you would, would you close your eyes for just a moment?
We do this not because eye closing is particularly spiritual. Nothing we do makes us spiritual. It's what he does within us. And I just want to ask you to close your eyes so that you can think about your own life and what's going on in your heart. Some of you right now, you're a Christian and you would have to say, you know what? There are some things in my life that I've just been perpetually immature in. And I would encourage you in this time, would you, would you pray to God? God, would you help me to begin to see how you have given me all that I need to mature? And I'm going to join you in just a moment in praying that God would mature your heart. Others of you in here, you would have to say, if you were to be completely honest, I have never given my life to Jesus. You can't mature something until it's birthed. And so that seed has been planted in your heart, the message of Jesus that tells us that every single one of us have turned from our creator and said, I'm going to do life on my own. That's sin. And the wages of our sin is death, separation from the one who breathed into us the breath of life. And yet God is so good and loving that he pursues us. He pursued us by living perfectly, undeserving of the wages of sin, and yet dying the death of a sinner on a cross as our substitution so that if we trust in what he has done for us, then we can be made right with God. And he resurrects back to life and he's seated at the throne in heaven And he says, I want to be on the throne in your heart. I want to be the Lord of your life. So maybe right now God is stirring your heart, opening your eyes to see that Jesus has done something amazing for you that's life-changing, that secures your eternity in heaven, but also gives you new and abundant life on earth. And so if that's you, I want to call you in this time just to call upon the name of the Lord. Say, God, I trust you, what you've done for me. I'm sinful, but you're a savior, and I want to follow you. That moment, you become his child, brought into the family, so that though you struggle, you can still be addressed as brother, sister. You're part of the family because God is our father. And so, Father, I pray for my friends in this room, whatever you're doing in their hearts, if they need to give their lives to Jesus, I pray that as we respond, they would give their lives to Jesus. And today they would even take communion for the very first time, saying, I have trusted in what this represents, the death of Jesus. And for those here who are, they've just been in perpetual immaturity, would you continue to stir and do your work in their hearts? In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.